0: At the burning bush, God says to Moses, you're supposed to go to Egypt and rescue the people and let them go. And of course, as you know, Moses says, not me. I don't don't want to go, and I'm not good enough to go. And he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Verse 11, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring B'nai Yisrael out of Egypt? We know that Moses was the parade example of ultimate humility. The Torah says so. The rabbis say so. He exemplified humility throughout his life. But why didn't God say, but I'll take one step back. If you were Moses' parent, what would you say? If your child said to you, I'm, I'm, I'm not good enough. Uh, the child gets the, I, 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 you're supposed to do X, Y, or Z, and the child says, mom, dad, I, I can't do that. I, I can't do the spelling bee, I can't do the chess club, I can't sing a song, I can't do AP math, or AP history, or whatever it is, I can't do a bar mitzvah, I'm not gonna be as good as Derek, or whatever it is. You know, and Derek's like, you, yep, straight up, you're not gonna be as good as me, but you should try. So. What do you say to a child who's telling you I'm not good enough and and who's humble? Okay, so now we're at the burning bush. Moses says, I'm not good enough. Who am I to go? I don't want to go. And think, this is what Dina Weiss says that got to me. Well, if I was the parent of that child, I would say, well, of course you can go. For example, hey, who are you to go? You're the guy who killed an Egyptian to protect someone who was being beaten. You're the perfect person to go. You're brave. Look what you did. So you tell your child, hey, well, you can do that. You did this. You did this. You did this. You're going to knock it out of the park. God doesn't say that. He could have done that. He could have said, wait a second. You're the guy, nobody teenager, who doesn't even who speaks Egyptian and not Midianite? Who's out in like Saudi Arabia in the land of Midian, look, running, uh, fleeing as a refugee from Egypt? And what's the first thing you do? You protect a bunch of women who are being bullied by the boys, and you and you chase off all of the boys yourself, one against a huge group, so that you, the women can water their flock. And of course, he gets a wife out of it, and a home, and a father-in-law who's pretty awesome. But why doesn't God say that? Who are you? Look what you did over there, right? Or, so well, God, so, so I'm like, but what would I tell a child who is scared of doing something? So God takes a different approach. The first thing is that God basically says, well, the first thing you need to know is I'm the God of your fathers your fathers. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and I. So number one is that, which, by the way, doesn't seem to... Um, but God thinks it's gonna help. So my que- part of the question, I'm almost done by question, so get ready. How is that supposed to help? Like, it's not, oh, look what you did, look what you did, you're powerful, you're great, you've done this before, you have all these qualities, you know, come on. But it starts off with, um, hey, I'm giving you the mission and I'm the same God as your parents, and your grandparents, and your great-grandparents. So uh, question number one, why that? Number two, God says, you know what? I'll be with you. One of the things that Dina Weiss points out is, isn't that bad parenting? Isn't it like, you know, Jen, you know, if uh, I'll, I'll pick on, like, uh, someone who's not here. I'll pick on, on Talia, right? If Talia says to you, Mom, I'm too scared to, like, act in the play, you'll be like, don't worry, I'll be the helicopter parent right next to you, like feeding you your lines. I thought that was bad parenting, but that's kind of what God says. So God says, number one, God are your ancestors. Number two, I'll be with you, don't worry about it. That doesn't reassure Moses at all. Why doesn't he say to Moses, well, because you're so awesome and your qualities are so great. Next, Moses says, well, I, mean, I'm not, I may not be having in perfect order, or maybe I am, that I'm, I'm bad at talking. Right, let's forget about speech impediment. Moses doesn't have a speech impediment. That's what we teach, what we teach in bad Hebrew schools. Um, is that Moses just says, not a good speaker, right? Anyone like me who's ever had to stood up in front of everyone for a Yom Kippur sermon knows that I'm not saying I have a speech impediment when I say, I'm really not good at this, don't make me do it, right? We all know when a child tells you, I'm not good at public speaking, mom, that it doesn't mean they have a speech impediment. So Moses says, you know what, not good at speaking, um, uh, who knows? what he means by it. And what does God say? Are you kidding? You're great at speaking. How about this time? How about that time? How about the other time? Instead, God says, okay, well, when you're traveling back to, Israel, when you're traveling, me, to Egypt, when you're traveling back to Egypt, I'll have Aaron meet you on the way. And so anything that needs to be done in a public speaking way, Aaron will do it for you. Again, kind of like helicopter parent or a little bit like, it doesn't seem like it's showing faith in Moses. You know, it's not like, Moses, you were the most beautiful baby in the world. You have all these amazing qualities, and you're gifted, and you've done this, and you've been strong, and you've stood up to oppression, and, you, and, and you're incredible at speaking. I mean, look, you're speaking to God right now. I mean, who can? if you can speak to God, I think you can speak to a bunch of Israelites and Egyptians. And, um, no, it's all like, oh, it'll be okay. I'll be with you. I'll get Aaron to speak for you, and this. And so the question is, why does God take that tact? And... What would you do if you had a child who obviously was had gifts and had successes and it's nervous? Why would you go in God's direction here, or would you go in the direction I'm often drawn? Be like, no, you are smart, you are gifted, you've done gifted things, you've done gifted things, you can do this. Of course, just to remind you, when Moses gets there, Aaron doesn't need to speak for him, and things like that. So a lot, like in a way, it seems effective because Moses hits it out of the park. Or into the Nile, whichever you think. I really relate to the direction God goes in. And I'm going to sit here on the whole Just for the people who are streaming at home, and I got an email yesterday saying I need to tell what people say who are not on the, who um, are distant from the microphone. Among the things you said, which are beautiful, is children have different abilities and not always by the standard of the world. And part of what you want them to do is just try and not try to compare themselves to others, but just try. And one way to do that, oh, you said it so well at the end is to um, say, um, I'll, be, if, I'll, be, I'll love you anyway. Like, I will be with you does not mean I will do it for you. Harold Kushner, the, he really spends a lot of time on this idea that God doesn't solve your problem, but he takes from this chapter, God will be with you when you struggle with your problem. God will not take away your cancer. But if you let God be with you as you go through chemo, as you go through that experience, then it will be a different experience. So Barbara is saying, God's saying, I will be with you as you try. It doesn't mean it's gonna be automatic to succeed. It doesn't mean, oh, you are so, you know, you are ready for the gifted and talented program, just accept it. It means try and I will be there. Noah. what Noah just said, but I'm going to make one point from it, okay, for the people at home, which is that um, you are not your action, you're you're not just your actions, whether you win or lose the game. And sometimes if you tell the child, no, 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 you're the best singer in the group, of course you can do the, you know, you're the one that got 99 on your math test, of course you can, you'll be fine on the exam, which is my impulse is to parent that way. But in some ways, then you're kind of, when Moses says, who am I to go, you're kind of almost locking them in to succeed. You know, you're the one that kicked the goal in the last game, of course you can be a starter in this game. But then, you could be setting them up for failure by saying, who am I? You are the one who succeeds. Do you know what I mean? Because, and what you want to do as a parent is set it up in such a way that if they don't succeed, it doesn't, it doesn't make it um, that they are diminished. So over pra- praising Moses, which is a temptation, could actually be, um, can make things worse. Miriam. That's right, because if you if you just say you can do it because you're so great, then what? and if he doesn't do it, if he doesn't succeed, he will feel bad, nicely sad. Saul. I, I love what Saul does, I mean, because it's the art side of his mom and, you know, that. It's, mu- it's, it's much less powerful just to say you're gifted, right, than to say I'll be with you. I mean, when you think of Islam's teachings that are with him forever, that's really what, what holds you up. I mean, I, well, okay, I, I will keep going. It's, I would m- remark on it, but Myla. One of the things that Myla pointed out is that, and because it also is kind of in the Midrash, is that um, think about it. It's not saying you're so great you can do it, go up to the plate and hit a home run in the finals or whatever. He's saying, you got a team. And you've never met me before, and I'm on your team. Oh, you can't speak? I'll get Aaron on your team. Oh, you got, you need, you're worried about uh, Pharaoh's power? I'm going to give you a staff. You'll have a staff on your team, like, it, and, which sounds a little bit like, why doesn't he just say, believe in yourself? But it's actually much more powerful, right? If you're sending, like, a child into the game or whatever it is or into the, the honors level courses, you know, really, again, you're, your goal is not to say, oh, you're the most beautifully and gifted person in the world. I mean, your goal is to say, all you have to do is be part of that team. All you have to do is your job, and you don't have to do it perfectly, you know, and so that it, it, it's, it's sometimes we think building up self-esteem is the most important thing. But it can have a downside, and it's interesting the way God approaches it. Here we go. Sorry, Jen. I mean, one of the things that you're saying is that it looks like helicopter parenting to be saying, "I'll send, I'll be there, right there, in case you need me. I'll give you the magic rod. I'll send you Aaron. Like, like I will cover for your faults." But it's not really helicopter parenting. Helicopter parenting is. Um, here are 30 steps, and just follow it. Like, I will tell you exactly how to do it. I know, James and I have gotten into this before. We've had these discussions. It's a very tricky thing, how we define parenting and how we categorize it. What looks like one thing, may be another, but helicopter parenting is, I will do it for you. And instead, what he says is, there's a whole team there, and you just have to do your part of the team, and in the end, Moses can do it all. He doesn't need the team. It's a very interesting way of doing it. I saw a hand up, Shelley. you know, Shelly's saying, it's like, have faith, have trust, I'm, I'm, I'm God, and have faith in your own abilities. I mean, one of the things that comes out of that is, you know, that God being the God of Abraham, Isaac, the God of your ancestors is the first blessing of the Amidah. Baruch Adonai. And a lot of people ask, why doesn't it start off by saying, the God of the universe, the God who made all of this is the God, why isn't the, why is the bracha, God is the same God your parents prayed to. Like, in a way, it could be a little lame, although you could say, well, you know, they, they, they did some great stuff. And you can, but, um, so I wonder, like, what is that faith? Like, in a way, God's starting with, I mean, as Mila said, he doesn't know who this is, and there are a lot of possible biblical, critical explanations of why he says what he says. But it's the first paragraph of the Dad. So part of it's, I don't know. I mean, you have to tell me as parents, my kids are still maybe a little too young for this. When I had to face something, and my parents said, oh, I had to face the same thing. The God you're dealing with, I had to deal with. That's my God, too. The God that didn't say, it's all going to turn out okay. Just the God that said, I'll be with you in your struggles. That's all we got in Judaism. I mean, that's why a lot of people don't come, right? They need the God who cures cancer. They need the God who saves them from a bad relationship. And the idea that if I say, no, God, you got to let God in, as you deal with this, they're like, I need a more powerful God than that. So the Amida is not, I am the all-powerful Oz, it's that I know your parents went through the same thing, and their parents, and they got through it, and you can too. The weirdest thing is this, I hated when my parents told me stories about how they went through what I did, and I rolled my eyes, but for the, so I said, when I grow up, I'll never do it, but that's all my kids want to hear. So every time around, like she chipped it, she fell and chipped a tooth. And it's all like, and I, and I was like, whatever, I don't know what I said, you know. I, I said, it looks fine, just keep playing. So, um, you know, ignore the blood. So uh, I've always found that to be useful and successful because I was like, I don't want to feed the beast, you know. I'm like, yeah, grow up. So she, did you ever have a broken tooth? Like what, And I, you know, and she's always, they're always asking me questions like, did you ever have this where like you were in class and you didn't know all the letters of the alphabet? And I'm always like, I promised myself I would never tell these stories, but it's all they want to hear. And it reminds me of um, that first line of God, you know, which is, you know, I'm the same God who was there with your parents who went through the same stuff. And, and it'll be okay. Like they find it very reassuring. I don't really know why, but I'm happy to tell them, sure. No, no. So Becky should bring up, and I'll go right to David. That um, I mean, I really am fascinated by that Aaron thing. Why doesn't he just say, like, you speak fine. You've spoken fine many times. Instead, so he's like, okay, I'll send Aaron to help, and then Moses doesn't need Aaron. Um, and but and, and Becky connected it to the most important sin in the Torah, along with the golden calf. And when the people won't enter the land of Canaan, which God's like, there it is, promised land, and they won't go because they say, we, we must look like grasshoppers like tiny little insects compared to the people who live in that land who could just stomp all over us. And the sin being that they don't see themselves as capable of doing it. And there, what God basically says is just, I'll be with you. And they're like, yeah, that's, that, that's not enough. Um, but I still think we see these. Yeah, David. I think mean, it's the Rashi on the burning bush, meaning that um If you don't have any other thoughts that day this is the thought that jumps into your head like for me when 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 rafi was reading jumps into my head because i didn't have any other ideas this week that the burning bush is supposed to be the israelites in egypt it's a thorn bush and the fire is in it so the israelites are in thorns being stung by the oppression but god is there and god is with them and um they they are not consumed israel they are not defeated by their oppression. So normally, but I like the Noah interpretation, which is maybe this is Moses. Moses is the fire in the thorn bush. He's a thorn bush. He's like, I can't do this, and my mouth hurts, and I can't speak, and I can't, and I can't go, and I'm not good enough. And God's like, I'm going to be there the whole time, and I'm not going anywhere. I am everlasting. You, like, you can sur- like, You can totally survive these nerves these anxieties, this, this tension. Um, you know, It's like talking to a child who's going through something difficult. It's like, you're, you're gonna get beyond this. I mean, I had a call from a friend recently who um, had a terrible diagnosis, right? And they're like, How, why is it that as soon as I retire, I get a terrible diagnosis? And I said, because when we go into our 60s and, um, and our 50s and everything really, but usually around that, I was like, then your doctor says, you got this, and you got that. And you say, how can this be? And then my doctor told me, um, it was after Saul, so I don't blame you, but it was God's, you know, I forget who it was, you know, with uh, one of my conditions that I was like, where does this come from? This isn't fair. And his attitude is, no, about 20% of men over a certain age get this, so grow up. In other words, like, I haven't promised you that you will overcome, and you, you know, God cures and God heals. The point is, I'll be with you. People face this, your parents faced it, your grandparents faced it. And if you're looking for God, I struggle with you because if you were powerful, you would take this pain away from me. And what you're telling your children and what God's telling you is, I don't take the pain away. As Noah said, you're in the thorn bush, right? But I'm not going anywhere. And as I told them, you're gonna do what we all do. You work the process. You work the treatment, you work the doctors, you work the other doctors if you don't like the first doctors, and you work it all. And even as you're working it, you're working every angle. And there's tomorrow and the day after tomorrow, and you have a future. So don't stop here. Move forward.